Welcome, guys, to another Hoops Crew Summer Series clip, and uh, we've kicked out Ben. He's rubbish. Don't want him. We brought in a far more knowledgeable, respectable individual. Phoenix Foster, welcome back to all things Hoop crew, Hoops Crew, mate. Howdy, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. Very, very excited to be back on on the Summer Series. Been watching all the videos. Um, been very, very um, excited whenever a new video comes out, so I'm, I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, no, uh, Ben, and I, I was saying to you beforehand, like Ben and I get all excited whenever we see you engaging with them as well. So it's like, yeah, cool, Phoenix is, Phoenix is on top of it. It's, it's awesome. It's good to see you. So it's awesome to have you on board to to chat through some topics. I've I've sent through uh, sent them through to you in advance so you can have a bit of a bit of a scan through and get get your ideas going. But it'll be it'd be great to chat about some of these topics that are often discussed by. I mean, you see it in the media, you see it in the communities, you see it in forums, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere. So it'd be kind of great to get a, a player perspective and. Um, I guess one that's still you know early days as well. Um, so maybe that brings that I guess more modern take on it as well. So let's get cracking on. I guess uh, one of the one of the questions that's kind of readily you know, often discussed, especially off the back of I guess the most recent the most recent Brownlow, whether you agree or disagree with how things played out, um, should umpires be able to vote on the Brownlow? Ah, uh, yeah. I feel like you get. The Brownlow's been going on for long enough now. It's I don't even know how long. It's been a very, very long time. Very long time, yeah. Um, I feel like it would mess with the history of the game aspect if we took it away from the umpires at this point. I feel like for a majority of many years, I feel like they get it right. I don't feel like there's ever been anything extremely egregious. Um, I feel like they're out there all the time. People will say that it's a midfielder's medal. I guess they're the closest to the umpire majority of the game but yeah they're under their nose but at the same time they see everything there's three or four of them out there now like they're everywhere they do see everything um i don't feel like they're like they shouldn't vote on it i feel like the umpires definitely should have a part to play in the in the brownlow medal whether you i don't feel like like we have a medal for the players association we have a medal for the coaches association i feel like the brownlow's been a thing for so long i feel like it's one of those things we shouldn't mess with or shouldn't change at this point i feel like it's our most prestigious medal for a reason uh the best and fairest player for the year voted by neutral a neutral party in the umpires so i wouldn't change it necessarily so what do you think about the the ideas that get kicked around where maybe it's you know the umpires don't necessarily get removed from it but it's it's more of a panel style thing so you have the umpires submit their votes and then maybe you have a representative from I don't know, a bunch of different media outlets that are covering that particular game um, that kind of, you know, again, act in kind of a neutral role as well. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some that, you know, have their horse in the race. I'm sure if we ask the K-Rock guys every every given game they cover, they, you know, the dollar will get 3-2-1 each week, no matter what, as well we should. But, um, but yeah, I guess, what do you think about that sort of idea that gets kicked around from time to time? Oh, I think it's interesting, but I think it's an idea that would need a lot of oversight, I think, there's if you leave it if it's umpires plus media, I feel like it can be subject to opinion. Um, I feel yeah. like especially if it's people covering the games, it can be a lot more subject to opinion. Um, like I understand that it's the same as the umpires, but they're there, they're out there, they're with the players. They can feel the moment, they can feel the atmosphere, what's going on out there. I feel like the media can. You'd have to have a real neutral and mixed panel. Um, yeah. you, couldn't be anyone that has ever prior had, whilst they've been working in the media, had club, any yeah. 
Yeah, or had any horse in the race that they're they're outwardly a fan of anyone. They'd have to be a real neutral, um, real student of the game, someone who's um, extremely knowledgeable and looks beyond the stats or looks beyond just um, the really like the big headlines and stuff like that. I feel like yeah, you have to be a real. Um, I feel like that would it could work maybe. Um, but it's also but a also, lot of work because yeah. you've got to get you've got to you know get uh, nine games every week. You've got to get a panel of, of these, you know, whether they're pass players or media people, what, you know, whatever it happens to be. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of a lot of movement. It's a lot going on. It's hard enough to get it right for Norm Smith Medal Day when you're trying to get all these different parties from different media outlets, let alone pair that with what you're trying to do with the umpires, combine all this stuff. It's it's a big logistical challenge. And I guess you mentioned the, you know, yourself, there's there is an award um, issued by the players, there is one by the umpires, there is one by the coaches, and there is media awards. There are media awards as well. We see, you know, you think about things like Lou Richards medals and all those sorts of different things that kind of go on. Um, there's there's lots of that sort of stuff anyway. And, uh, you know, almost every media outlet has its own 3-2-1 and its voting system. You see it in the papers. You see it all over the place. So they kind of have that already. Um, so maybe it just boils down to how much stock someone, you know, and an individual, whether they're a player or whether there's someone sitting on the couch watching each week, maybe it just boils down to how much stock that individual has in what the Brownlow represents. Maybe there's an award that to them is more important, more representative of quote unquote, the best player of that year. I feel like that's definitely the case. I feel like everybody sits down and watches the Brownlow because it's the thing that's on TV. There's the red carpet. There's it's, it's they've been the thing for forever, but I feel like it, like the players association, you voted by your peers. I feel like there's a real um, honor and um, gratitude to be voted the best player in the AFL by your peers. Um, I feel like, that's a really good snapshot of where the league's at. And I feel like also the coaches, I feel like the coaches see everything and they, um, well, they give the 10 to one. Is it 10? Is it, they can give you a possible um, five. Yeah, the most to, you can get is a 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The most you can get is a 10 um, from both coaches. I feel like that's a, that's also a pretty prestigious award, but at the, at the end of the day, it's in the eye of the beholder. It's up to your opinion. Um, I feel like everybody who watches football has a different opinion on, um, how important or valuable the each award is, um, yeah. but I yeah. To summarise, I don't think it's something we should touch um, unless it starts to get really egregious, which I think it hasn't been now. Yeah, I think sure. I think it might have. It, there's might have been a one or two decisions that might be a little how you going, but yeah, exactly. Time, you get a, you get yeah. a couple of games where you might get a really odd person who gets the three votes out of nowhere, and you you raise eyebrows. But that person's not doing it week after week after week, and then you know stealing the award. It's not impacting the result. You get a you get a strange one that certainly raises eyebrows, and maybe it's good for a bit of a laugh, but it doesn't actually break what was going on anyway. Um, no, no, and umpires yeah. are prone to error, and I think even using error is kind of disrespectful then to those people who maybe were awarded those you know those votes. As yeah, well, it's because, the human. It's the human yeah. element. It's the human. Like that's what, if that's what they decide to do, then that's what they decide to do. Like we shouldn't get up in arms about it. Yeah, it may seem, uh, may seem a bit un, may seem a bit out of the ordinary or an outlier. Yeah. But if that's what they decide to do, then that's their decision, and that's we just have to live with that, and we keep moving. There's 24 rounds in the year. I don't feel like one round should make or break an exactly. entire season. No, absolutely right. Um, so I guess continuing with the Brownlow theme, uh, when and where should the Brownlow medal be played? Uh, sorry, be held. Now Ben's popped this in here because he's he's got you know lots of big ideas around when 
I guess what the whole kind of September period should look like in terms of where uh, where buyers fall and how we can you know how the Brownlow can be inserted into that. What's what's your I guess current feeling and and I guess that maybe opens up the can of worms about how that whole final structure works more broadly. But um, I may yeah. be a traditionalist, but I feel like it's kind of where it is for a reason. It's the week leading up to grand final day. It's um, maybe the Monday night should be maybe be fixed. I feel like I feel like a lot of people stay up to watch it. I feel like definitely as a kid, I was definitely staying up past my bedtime to watch it. For sure. Um, you've de- you wanted to see who won. You wanted to see who won Mark or goal of the year. You wanted to see all of it. Maybe the Monday night maybe gets moved, but I don't really know where else you put it then because it's a Saturday game. You got the parade, parades on Friday. Um, yeah, the rest of your week, you, you just—I feel like it's where it is for a reason. I feel like it's—it's it's in Melbourne as much as I don't want to talk about Vic Bias, but <laughs> I, I don't as a South Australian. It exists. But it exists. I, I'm not—I'm not going to talk about it. Um, I'll say that I as a Victorian, like, it absolutely exists. But I feel like it's in Melbourne for a reason. It's where everyone comes to. It's the week before Grand Final day, so people are already there. Um, I don't. I've given two pretty boring answers already, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's in its where it is for a reason, and I feel like if we move it, I don't really know where you're going to put it. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, it's. I, th- I think it's really subject to a broader sort of conversation about how the whole September period and even the mm. use of that buy actually plays out. And yes. if that model's currently right in the eyes of the AFL, then I don't really see much of a change. But if they do, you know, and we do hear the conversation every now and then, should, should the buy actually be the week prior to the grand final, mm. I guess, regardless of what people think. Now, if if that were to actually occur, then that absolutely changes things. Um, it certainly makes things easier on what night of the week you pick as well because you probably yes. can use a Friday, Saturday Definitely. night. And Definitely. Those who uh, want to have some drinking games around the Brownlow, they can absolutely do that as well. Go go for broke, but um, responsibly, of course. Um, oh, obviously, always. But, uh, yeah, there's, I guess... There's lots of options, yeah, I think, but a lot of it's dependent on the the overall final structure and in the current model, I don't see it changing. Yeah, uh, next one, current, we, yeah, you go, you go. Oh, sorry. Ne- next one, and we, I went and fact-checked info because we were discussing this beforehand. So uh, it relates to the Rising Star and the eligib- eligibility of players for the Rising Star. So just, I guess, for that context, uh, each year's nominated players must be under the age of 21 at the 1st of January and have played no more than 10 AFL games to the start of that season. So it's pretty much what we what we thought it was before. So uh, the question here is: uh, Should I guess players under the age of twenty two? Um, so it's, um, I guess, is that age is that age right? Uh sorry, James has just got home with his dog. I have to tell him not to come out here. Um, I feel like it rules out the ten games. I feel like is the incorrect window because I feel like that. It yes, there's no crop of draft days every year. However, I feel like that takes away the improvement factor, the development factor. I feel like if, let's say, for example, a draftee comes in and plays on an average team, plays 10 or 11 games, and he's okay in his first year, but then the next year comes out and he's extremely good. Like, he's just very solid, consistent, a great player. It takes away from the fact that his development has now shot him into that stratosphere of yeah, like being, tier, yeah yeah 
But I also, on the flip side, I feel like if it wasn't that, if it was in that model, you'd have Nick Dacos win it four out of four years until he gets to twenty two. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. or you get it. It. I feel like it leaves room for parity and it leaves room for difference. Um, and it means that the top te- it's not probably the same top five picks from every draft that are always in contention. But I feel like there needs to be a a loophole or a way for players that aren't really good straight away, like your Harry Sheasels or um, Will Ashcroft's of the world, Sam Walsh's yeah. that were good straight away. They just step in and explode, yeah. Yeah, they, there needs to be a development factor. And maybe that is the 10 games. Maybe that needs to be 15 or it needs to be 14 games. Because I feel like once you get past there, you're probably, you've played majority of the year, you're probably pretty good. Um or maybe like, maybe it's like yeah. a, a you can play no more than a certain average number of games up until a mm. certain point. That way, that way it still keeps people in the running. You might be averaging less than ten games a season for those first, and so as long as that remains the case, then that year you're eligible. Maybe something I like, like that. I feel like that we because we have the twenty two under twenty two. I feel like that's the correct age. I feel like yeah. once you get past there, you're no longer. Yeah, that's four years in the system. You've begun into year five. That's almost half a decade. You've been around for too yeah. long. But I feel like for as long as you're in eligible for that, there should be a way, well, there should be a different award for the best player under 22 because I feel like that's a completely different argument to the rising star. I feel like the rising yeah. star is very much draftee based, whereas I feel like the best player under 22 is a different conversation or a, a different award. Yeah, um, I like that. Maybe that's the way you do it. I'm not sure. But then again, you might get Nick Dacos win it four years in a row. So you don't know. Like you just, it's very, I feel like you could explore that space for sure. Yeah. I mean, there might be, well, I guess, but if it's, it's, if it's really focused on growth, I mean, even the, I guess if we do separate the rising star and maybe that is purely around the crop of draftees from that particular year versus something that is for under 2022, sorry, under 22s, then if it's still, I guess, framed in the same way, which is about growth and improvement, then you won't have a Nick Dacos winning every year because if he explodes no. in his in that first year and wins it, unless he's unless he then takes that game and multiplies it again by the same mm. sort of amount, then it's just not going to be, I guess, possible for him to win it. Um, people are going to have like it's all about expectations in uh, in a lot of ways, and everyone's expectations are here. And how much like how far can you break that ceiling? It becomes quite limited versus someone who, to your point, maybe didn't for whatever reason, didn't, didn't demonstrate a lot in that first year or second year. But then in that second or third year, they absolutely explode because they've they've kind of found their niche. They've, you know, their role's really defined. They've played at the best of ability. They fixed up a, a particular skill floor that suddenly just, whatever it happens to be, um, it allows you to recognize that person still. So, yeah, I think maybe a clearer split between Rising Star maybe solely defined with the, the group from that draft year versus than something else that is for a group that is under a certain age, 22 or whatever. And I think 22, 22 is a good number considering we've got the 22 under 22 thing as well. Yes. That might be the way to go. Yeah. I like, uh, yeah. Well, well, that was just spitballing, but yeah, that maybe that's the next place, a space the AFL could explore. Maybe. Another contentious topic that comes up is the Australian. Um, I guess in your eyes, it just says how should the Australian team be selected. I guess the, I guess the better question there is probably like, are there any tweaks necessary in your eyes to the kind of the way selection occurs, whether that's to the squad, um, or then the final, the final team. Uh, 
Well, it's it's a panel at the moment, isn't it? It's a panel of yeah. people that put it together. With no, there's, the, there's no players, current players on that no, panel. No current, there? no, no. They're all past players, um, and then then you've got, um, I guess, up until up until this year, would be Gill sitting at the the top to kind of uh, be a tiebreaker vote if if required. I feel like because it's it's former players, they have a pretty good handle on it. I, I think there are. I think there are some media that potentially aren't former players. I think. I. I'll try and look that up while we're while we're chatting. But. Okay, I I don't. We already have to vote for the PA award, so I wouldn't. Getting as many AFL players as you can to vote on an award is hard. Like if they get eighty five percent of the players to vote on the PA award, that's they're probably doing a pretty good job. That's a that's probably a lot of blokes. So I can't do the math that quickly, but I feel like you don't want you you just don't want it to. I don't know. It's I feel like it's a really hard one because I feel like yeah. the way they do it now, it's I think it's pretty hard to mess up. I'm not sure whether you'd want any current player input because I feel like once you do that, I feel like you have to go league wide. Um, it'll become too subjective or opinionated because players playing on teams with players that could possibly make the Australian team. Yep. Um, so I feel like the way they do it now is probably the former player players being on the panel is the correct way to do it i reckon if you get too much media i think it becomes subjective um subjected to their opinion and i don't feel like it becomes as neutral and i think look i think one of the important things probably is that you also have a balance in terms of every club being represented in terms of past players or whatever so i guess for context this was the panel for 2023 you had gillen as the chairperson kevin bartlett Eddie Betts, Jude Bolton, Nathan Buckley, Kane Corns, Andrew Dillon, Glenn Jakovic, Laura Kane, Cameron Ling, and Maddie Pavlich. So you've got a few clubs represented and a few kind of on the, the executive side, um, but certainly not every club is uh, represented. So maybe you don't have that perfect rounded scenario there. You know, as, as Cats people, we've got Lingy there to fight, uh, mm. fly the flag for us. Awesome. Yes. Um, but you know, you, you hear stories about, and I'm I'm sure everyone actually probably throws shade at one another. But you hear people talk about, you know, Glenn Jackovich, for example, he's like he's lobbying really hard for the WA boys. Again, understandably so. Um, want to make sure, especially Obviously, it's yeah. very then uh, uh, kind of Victoria being what Victoria can be, get a bit self-absorbed and think. You know, I again, I totally recognise it. Um, we won't talk about it. There. We'll ha- we'll just have to squeeze that question into a future <laughs> one, just to just to get you to say all you need to say. But oh um, god! So, so I like I completely understand it, but yeah, I think the best case scenario, or the the I guess the most rounded scenario, is that every single club has a representative. Now I know that is harder for a a Gold Coast or a GWS or you know Tasmania when the time comes because their history is not long enough. But you can they've still got past players. You can still get mm. people in. I mean, get Gary Ablett to come in and represent Gold Coast to yeah. uh, pop his two cents in. There's, I feel like that that's probably I think that's probably the correct way to do it. I feel like the panel it just needs to be footy heads. Like it can't just be like it needs to be guys that you know are watching the games or girls yeah. that are watching the games every week that they're really clued in, um, that they know what they're watching, they know what to look for, and they're not just reading into all the headlines and stuff like I feel like I feel like this year we got it really right. I feel like it was oh, I didn't have any queries. It's nice to see Stu gonna mention. Um, it was great. Like I feel like um, yeah, was grind like robbed hard. though. Was grind robbed because I know that was a, oh. that was a big uh, big topic for going into the the selection as well. It's just like, is he going to get screwed over here? In my eyes, he was. In my yeah. I, that, I, I in think my most eyes, of I people like would he, say the same. He definitely was. I feel like there's 
he was our, the key to a lot of our forward half being the most, being the team with the most forward 50 marks this year. Like he was the yeah. linchpin. Like he was, he was everything for us. So I feel like he, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to go into it because I'll get too passionate and I'll, I'll <laughs> defend my man to the death. But um, yeah, oh, it would have been great to see a small forward that plays, that plays the small forward role perfectly, yeah. specifically. Um, get awarded, um, but look, he might come out this year and be twice as good, and then they'll have to give it to him. So um, that's what we're got plenty of time, for. plenty of time Definitely. up his sleeve. Um, yeah, it, I think that's the other the other half of this. And I'm not talking about Grian specifically, but I think that's one of the conversations that will pop up from time to time as the midfielder kind of gets rested forward. And I won't name names because I don't want to be disrespect, uh, disrespectful to anyone. But you know, we've we've seen it time and time again over the years that there's there's players who are predominantly midfielders that might get a position in the forward line and then it does cost say a grind or someone else who's clearly a pure forward line position player you feel like they've kind of been robbed despite incredible seasons so i think that's that's i guess one of the big sticking points potentially um but again i think you get the panel side of things right and there's enough voices that will potentially just be that naysayer that says well hang on you know this person doesn't necessarily play that role for any more than 10 15 percent of game time maybe they're not eligible for that spot and maybe unfortunately they just have to miss out yeah no, i think so, i completely agree uh next one is uh the around the anzac round we obviously have the medal for the anzac day match the the collingwood and, and essendon one but should a medal be awarded for every single game in that round I guess every matchup that occurs. I'm going to take this back to my roots. As a country person, as a country footballer, growing up, it is a thing. Every every game on well, where I was on the Air Peninsula, but also on the York Peninsula, um, where I'm from in the country, every game has a Anzac Day medalist. It's it's it's, it's a staple of I think of football on that round. Um, yep. So I would say the, the Essendon Collingwood one is the Anzac Day medal. It is the, it is the Anzac Day medal. It's it's the centerpiece the, of the round. It's, yeah. it's the very prestigious medal and it goes to... It's some great players have obviously won it. But I feel like, yeah, we all, we're all donning the colours. We're all wearing the special Guernseys. We're all listening to Last Post, the national anthem. Um, I don't see why not. I definitely, like one of my best friends at home this year, he won the... He won the Anzac Day medal on his round in the A grade at home, and like his name, his photos in the paper. He gets to take go home with the Anzac Day medal. He's like, it's. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's. I don't think like there should be too much argument either. I feel like we're all playing the same game. Yes, theirs has been a tradition for a long time now, but I feel like it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously it is kind of the centrepiece and it is kind of the marquee game, but it doesn't mean that players in other matches across the round aren't displaying the same qualities that are, mm. are kind of exemplified by the Anzacs. So I think absolutely, um, I'm, I'm 100% with you that I, I didn't actually realise that there was that that sort of level going on within the within the local leagues um, still, but um, I'm thrilled to hear that. And absolutely, why why should the the top level be kind of ignoring that just to favour one game? So yeah, oh uh, yeah. I don't know. The next one's a tricky one because I feel like the best the best person or the, the best people to actually speak to this are people who you know represent the the or I guess women in the AFLW side of things. But I guess as outside observers, at the moment the AFLW's kind of Brownlow equivalent is still just the the best and fairest. Doesn't it's, I guess it's not there's no namesake connected to it at all yet. 
in your eyes at this very early stage? Should there be one at this point? And if so, do you have an idea as to who that could be? Uh, well, I feel like it's Aaron Phillips, isn't it? Like I right, yeah. I I just feel like it it won't be too long. She kind of pioneered the game. Yes, Daisy Pierce was the she pioneered the game, but I feel like Aaron took it to another level with what she did at Adelaide, um, and then starting helping start the Port Adelaide club from scratch. Yeah. Um, I feel like she was just incredible. Like I remember going to an AFLW grand final, like she's nuts. And I feel like, um, yeah, they're great. I feel like she's definitely probably the number one name. I don't, I'm not quite sure. Does Daisy get it? Possibly. I love Daisy. She just left along. It's sad, but, um, yeah, I think it's Aaron. It makes sense to me. Um, I mean, the, I guess the, the credits and the stats kind of speak for themselves. Um, I feel, and it'd actually be nice to not have that, again, Victorian sort of focus as well, um, to make sure that we're properly acknowledging someone from outside of the bubble, um, but also <laughs> she, she's brilliant. So um, yes, I don't blame anyone for kind of going that way. And it does it does feel like it's only a matter of time. Uh, that yeah. We just need to, there just needs to be a little bit more time before that occurs, but I think it, it feels kind of inevitable. So he's hoping. Um, the next one is, should all listed players on a premiership team receive a medal? No, I feel like you. There should be a something for everyone because it takes a village to get. It takes a village, like it takes yeah. everyone. But it's the players on the day, it's the twenty-two that are out there that get the job done that deserve a medal. Um, you feel bad for those guys, like who was it most recently with Collingwood? Um, oh, oh um, McStay, Dan McStay with his knee. Or and or was it Taylor Adams? Taylor Adams, um, yeah. They, those Adams guys that, yeah. that play all year. Um, Max Holmes, for example, in 2022. Yeah, extremely right. Like those guys that are there all year, they're cornerstones, but injury struck them down. As, as sad as it is, if you gave them a medal, I feel like they a part of them would, wouldn't want it. I feel like I, I wouldn't want it. Like I wasn't there playing. I wasn't out there when the siren went. I wasn't out there through the absolute grind. Um, so, no, I feel like it's the 22 on the day. Um, and obviously, I feel like that, I don't think, definitely don't think that should change. Um, the, the middle ground argument that also gets raised is maybe anyone who's played over the course of the year, but I feel like based on what you've just said there, I feel like your response would probably be the same to that suggestion as well. Um, because, again, you if you're not there on the day, there's there's something that's kind of missing. When you, mm. if you were to receive something, you could make an argument that it, if you met a threshold, if you met a threshold of games, like Taylor Adams played however many games last year, he played the majority, I believe, or Dan McStay, if they played the majority of games, then maybe like they get one, but I'm not sure. I just don't feel like that's something you mess with. Um, I feel like it's very, very special when you win any premiership, let alone yeah. one for the AFL. So, um, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with that. Yeah, it is. It is one of those tricky ones as well because you can have someone that's been right on the fringe all year and misses out, and so you do end up still get. Like I think a lot of this conversation is because of the heartbreak stories that we hear every year, and they are awful, and you you feel horrible for those players that have been there all year and then get injured, whether it's a Taylor Adams or Dan McStay or Max Holmes or whoever. Um, but you are still going to have that 
equivalent sort of thing. It may not get the the spotlight shone upon it in the same way because maybe this person didn't play all year, but that person who's been on the emergencies list all year and was nearly there for whatever reason, it's it's an equivalent sort of thing where and you know they they kind of miss out by the skin of their teeth. Maybe it was just luck that kind of prevented them. Like it's you're going to get that thing, so it, it's kind of all or nothing. But I'm actually with you that yeah, it's it's the 23 on the day. Um, I guess you said that there should maybe be something, whatever that something is, that kind of everyone receives. Any thoughts or ideas as to what that could potentially be? Uh, I guess the next year, like last year, 2022, 2023, we played with a gold emblem on our logo. I feel like that's something, but I don't know. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't even know where to start. Like it's if every player on the list got something, it would it would have to be something that meaningful to everyone, but like I'm not sure. I really don't know. I wouldn't even know where to start. No, that's fair. Um Oh, I've highlighted the wrong thing for myself here. I guess uh, spinning off of that, uh, Ben's next question was very clearly very NBA inspired. Um, <laughs> the, I guess we've got we've got the Premiership medallions at the moment. Um, he's he's asked, should it be a ring? Um, again, very well, NBA style. As an NBA fan, I yeah, do I love, love the, game the ring. Too, but... <laughs> I love the ring. Like I think it's great. I think it's cool. Um. I and it's cool like that they're kind of personalised too. So you'll see these yeah. players, you know, like say LeBron, who's got you know won championships at multiple different teams, and you'll see that emblem on it. Like they're they're distinct as a result, as opposed mm. to our medallions, which are it's the only thing that's really different is the year. Yes. Um. So. Um. I think you could. I feel like if you wanted, if they ever wanted to, they could. I feel like a ring would be fun. It'd be exciting. Um, be nice to wear out. I think it'd be pretty funny <laughs> if you just rock rocked up out to a with a bit of ring uh, pop. Yeah, I just feel like it'd be interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the medallion's so sacred. I reckon in our game, I feel like it. I feel like all of our medals basically are medallions. Um, maybe, maybe that's a reason why you, you go the other way. Maybe that's a reason why you do. Um, but I, then I don't know what you're presenting. On grand final day and then if we're not presenting medallions the oz kickers don't get their hats so i'm not quite sure yeah ruin some oz kickers days actually um if we don't give out um, yeah, it's probably not medallions. quite the same with a with a little kid with a with a ring just trying to slide yeah. on the finger yeah it feels oh, yeah i know there's, there's and they don't get their rings there. they don't get their rings straight away either so it's like are they got to get their rings on opening round or middle of preseason true if, or... true if they do follow the nba model and they are kind of personalized that little bit then they're definitely yeah. not going to be ready for the day so so it's very i feel like you could definitely play around with it and it could be interesting but i just don't know the logistics i feel like it'd be fun yeah. I, as a as a person who loves the nfl and nba i feel like it'd be very fun but i just don't know how you get it to work especially with just so many guys. Um, it's a lot more than um, 15. Um, it'll be, it'd be interesting. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting one. We, they, we can workshop it with the AFL. We'll just get in touch with the, definitely. the head yeah, definitely. make it happen, right? Um, we mentioned, you mentioned, obviously, the, the jerseys before and the, the gold um, logo that, we've, that we were able to rock all 2023. Should there be some something else, some other sort of insignia that's on there, or maybe something that remains perpetually? So, you know, if you are a premiership player, there's something that will be on your jumper for the entirety of your career. It could sit underneath the logo. I, I wouldn't have any problem with that. It might just be a cup or a star or something. 
I know a majority of the players get just tattoos. Just tally marks. So... We'll just get tally yeah. marks and just start notching them up. <laughs> I know a majority of the players get tattoos, so I don't really feel like they need them on their Guernseys, but um, maybe, uh, maybe it could just be a tally mark or it could just be on the back of their jumper inside one of the numbers. It could just be a small cup or it could be... Oh, yeah. It could be anything, I reckon. You could get... It just have to be something small, but small, but noticeable enough, meaningful. Um, but then you get guys like Joel or Tom who'd have four or five just yeah. just on their Guernsey, and I feel like that'd be it's really it'd be a really cool little way to just acknowledge the fact that they've they've been there and done that three, four, five times. Um, even if you do it once, it just it just it, all your Guernseys now will just have one little cup on them. I feel like that'd be it's cool. a huge it's a huge accomplishment and yeah mm. was, you know certainly one of those things if you're the player you know you've got especially if you're fortunate enough to win multiple i mean obviously for a lot of people it's you know it's just an absolute honor to, to win one and and yeah it's so hard to win in the first place but if you're the player that's fortunate enough to win multiple to have you know the jumper that's got one premiership trophy or medal, whatever yeah. whatever this insignia happens to be on it and then you've got your second one from the the following year and the third you know and whatever it ends up being. Um, hopefully you end up with three three or four yourself. Um, over, That's over the plan. Years, but, that is the plan. Um, yeah, I think it's it adds to the, I guess, that prestige. It, it's it's mm. always visible. It, it's this constant respect that's being shown to this player every single time they take the field that the gold the gold logo doesn't quite do. No. Um, it's cool. and But, like, in the heat of the action also, it doesn't stand out. Um, if you're watching on the TV... It's pretty hard. Well, you don't to notice. notice it. You don't notice um, it. No, and, and I suspect it wouldn't get noticed yeah. by the opposition. They wouldn't care. You just you're a target at that yeah, point. Yeah, if you had a little, if you had a little cup like here, if you kick the goal, just like point to it. If someone is mouthing off or something, just I don't know. You could do anything. Like, you could you could be <laughs> you could get really fun and creative with it. But um, no, I definitely feel like the gold. You just don't see it. I feel like if you had a little cup on on your back or um, even just here, it, it would be noticeable enough if it was contrasted correctly. Um, that yeah. it would be noticeable, I reckon. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And our final question is uh, around the Norm Smith medal. Um, obviously, at the moment, that is just, as we, we kind of touched on before, it's the media will put in their votes on the day and it goes to whoever it goes to. Should it be strictly going to a player who is from the victors? And, you know, I think about the likes of, you know, Chris Judd, for example, who won it back in the day and mm. got the medal, took it off straight away because he was on the losing losing side of the ledger. Those those sorts of stories, do we do we want that to still be the case, or should it only be from the winning team? I don't. I feel like it's the best player on the day. I feel like in the case of Chris Judd or Nathan Buckley or Gary Ablett Senior, um, I feel like there's just they were just the best player on the day. Yeah. Just because they're on the losing side, I don't think you take that away from them. It's definitely a very very different feeling if a loser. If a person on the losing side um, wins the Norm Smith Medal, I think it's that's probably a different serious. feeling for that person whenever they look back yeah, at it as well. Ex- exactly, and it's probably a feeling of not embarrassment. I definitely wouldn't use that word, but it, it'd be a weird. I think it'd be a very awkward feeling. Um, but I also feel like it'd be a respect thing. Like you were able to stand up on the biggest day under the biggest pressure, biggest lights um, for your team, and you just weren't able to get it done. Like. I feel like there's almost a respect factor with that. Um, yeah. But so, no, I don't. I feel like it's the best player on the day that handles the pressure the best, that is the most valuable or is, just has the best day. Um, 
and obviously it's extremely rare because usually the best player on the bet on the day usually is comes from probably the on the bet. Yeah, exactly. It takes a very special, monumental effort to get that done. So um, I feel like the way it is right now is perfect because it's only happened so once in a blue moon yeah. that I feel like when it does happen, it's special. It's it's maybe not the special that's super uplifting and, and happy, but it's definitely a moment in time that people remember um, and when and where it happened. Yeah, it's. I can certainly see the kind of awkward feeling. I guess if you if you happen to be the recipient in a losing team, especially if you're unfortunate enough to never actually go on to win one uh, a premiership mm. along the way, I think I think that would probably be the most jarring sort of scenario. Juddy obviously got that premiership yes. uh, premiership success anyway the following year, so worked out well for him. But yeah, like a Gary Senior, for example, you know, mm. never had that success, and so it must be kind of a really weird sort of sort of feeling. Um, I'm with yeah. I'm with you that it needs to be on. You know, it needs to be just whoever is the best on the day. I've been, I've been finding a little bit uh, like I'm. I watch a bit of the Big Bash, and uh, I've been finding a couple best on ground awards recently going to players on the on the. It's clearly going to the winning team, and that's kind of the starting point, and then they work from there. But there's yes. been on multiple occasions players on the opposition who've gone 80, 90 runs. They really carried their team, but because they lost. They weren't deemed the best, and it just it it's a really weird sort of feeling afterwards. You look and you go, and, and you can tell the player who gets the medal, uh, you know, gets the. I guess you know, it's not much. It's it's weird. They get like a KFC bucket of some sort. Anyway, um, it's you could tell they go, well, thanks, but like I'm not I'm not the best. I wasn't the best today. I just yes, happened to be yeah. on the right side of the ledger afterwards. So it's it's a weird weird thing for him. I I, I definitely get that. I'm pretty sure uh, the Pakistani bowler in the last test got the. But, but the man of the yeah. match, even, yeah, I'm so. pretty sure he he made 80 runs and took six wickets. And I feel yeah. like he was the, probably the best player in that game. He took six wickets, made 80 runs. And I feel like that's the correct way to do it. Like for just if you if a random person, a neutral, looked at that game and said he top scored in that game, he took six wickets, he probably was the best player on the ground. I feel like that's the correct way to do it. And I feel like it shouldn't be any different with the Norm Smith. If you look at... Look at it subjectively, it would just with a non-biased opinion. Um, just if you just watch the game and said, "Oh, Chris Judd was just the best player today," Nathan Buckley was just the best player today, the most dominant. Then you just give it to him. I don't feel like there should be any second thought or hesitation there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it, you know we were talking before. You know, there's a lot of these, and you've mentioned a couple of examples where they were head and shoulders the best. They were just on the wrong side of the ledger. What we tend to find, I. It's only a gut feel, I guess. I'm speculating here. But if if you do have one player from either team who is right there or thereabouts and basically considered the same, then I think you get a little bit of bias that then favours the, the the winning team. But I don't think anyone's going to object at that point because you could probably make a coin flip anyway and justify that yeah, person. So I, it becomes less of a problem. I feel like when it's a coin flip, when there's two players on equal pegging, I feel like then it becomes his team one. So... Yeah his or her team won. So I don't feel like it is when it's like in that situation, I don't feel like there should be any opinion there. It, there might be discussion, but I feel like then it goes to the winner. But yeah. yeah, I, I feel like it's a pretty easy one to wrap up. If you just solely look at who was the best player on the day in their respective sport or yeah, I don't think it should be, don't think it should just pure solely go to the winning team. Completely agree. Well, um, 
that's that's our that's our 10 questions for this one so thanks so much for coming aboard mate it's been awesome to chat no thank you so much i've had an absolute blast um cats fans of course uh phoenix is uh in the midst of pre-season at this particular point uh, a bit of recovery we touched on it beforehand uh there was a bit of a foot fracture there and you're in a moon boot for a while but you've had a chance to get a bit of recovery in get a bit of a break mentally recharge physically recharge and uh, start building towards 2024. January is going to be a bit of a slog, as you were saying. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, just coming off the broken foot, feeling uh, really excited for what January is going to be. It's going to be a slog. It's going to be a lot of running, but um, feeling really excited, really pumped up um, for what this year could hold, put on a lot of weight, feeling strong. Um, yeah, feeling like I can I can bang with the big boys now to an extent. Still, still working, but I definitely feel like I can... Um, bang with the boys big boys and i feel like i'm really in a good spot to hopefully have a pretty good year so i'm i'm really excited hopefully i can um run out on a debut for the cats fans one time this year be good well, mate, mate, make sure to get you in the report card as soon as that's the case yeah can't wait can't wait to be in the report what card. we were saying before we were talking about toby's one uh managed to manage to beat an all-australian in his first first game there you go easy and easy easy pitch you hit the nail hit on the 10. head he did he did. He was great. Toby, Toby's going to be a star. Can't wait. Well, Phoenix, again, thanks so much for, for coming aboard. If people do want to touch base and see what you're up to, uh, you certainly know your way around Instagram. Where should people go? Uh, just Phoenix Foster uh, 19. It's uh, my jersey number. You guys should hopefully know that. If not, that's all right. Um, Learn nah, people. Just, yeah, yeah, nah. It's all good. Nah, on Instagram, um, yeah, just... Yeah, I'm just I'm posting pretty regularly. It's usually just footy stuff from training, so nothing nothing too interesting. It's all good. It's all good fun, and people should absolutely go check out what you're up to and, and reach out if they if they feel compelled to as well. In the comments, DMs are there. Whatever works. Be respectful. Be nice. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Reach out if you want to. Well, Phoenix, thanks so much for coming aboard. Good luck for for season 2024. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, no, I had an absolute blast. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, if people want, we'll keep Phoenix on board for a whole bunch of these things because Ben's, Ben's rubbish. He just tries to he tries to come up with some edgy ideas that no one really likes. So Phoenix is more than welcome to come back whenever. Um, but most likely Ben, uh, ben will try and take the reins for the next one and we'll see you then. I'll be back soon. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. <laughs> see you guys.